0: Thank you.
1: Good morning, New Life. Can you turn to somebody and tell them Merry Christmas? We are going to (laughs) begin. So merry. We're going to begin this morning by reading God's Word. So if if you would stand, please, in honor of God's Word. We've got a young lady who's going to read out of Luke for us this morning. So go ahead.
2: Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, with, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary, Joseph, and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had, what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them into her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told.
1: God is good, amen? Come on. I love that passage. Thank you, young lady. I love that passage because the only thing that the shepherds did was hear what God said and go check it out. Come on. So let's check out Jesus this morning. Amen. And death could not hold you. The veil torn, you sigh- for every morning for every open door i call you faithful You paid the price I couldn't
3: Amen, isn't it wonderful that Jesus is our friend? (laughs) He's more than a friend, isn't he? You may be seated. We have a few announcements here to get through real quick. So um, on Wednesday, December 20th at 6 p.m. is our Three Spirits Couple Teaching. It's for couples and singles. So if you're not married, that's okay. You are totally welcome. Uh, That series has been amazing already. Um, It's already making a huge difference in in people's lives and couples' lives right now. And then, uh, so that's December 20th, Wednesday night, 6 p.m. And then the men's class that normally would be held that morning is being moved to Thursday, December 21st at 6 a.m. Okay, so it's not on Wednesday morning. It is on Thursday morning. When is it? Thursday morning okay yes thank you <laughs> so anyway if you haven't been to that this is the last class you can still you can still come you are welcome our Christmas Eve service I'm so excited for this Sunday on December 24th it's at 10 o'clock it's our normal service time all right so we're having normal service it is our Christmas Eve service but it's not at night <laughs> it's in the morning so I hope you all will join us then. And then um, Pastor Angelo has prepared something to help the men. He's prepared something to help the men lead their families. And next week, yes, okay. (laughs) Okay, good. And next week it will be out on the information desk. So look for that if you would like some help, um, you men, if you would like some help leading your families, all right? And then Vision Night is coming up December 31st at 6 p.m. Pastor Roberts, Pastor Andy, (laughs) my honey, (laughs) I don't know what to call him, my husband, I don't know, (laughs) Pastor Andy will be leading that, and he is going to be casting the vision for new life for the next year. So you don't want to miss that. That is going to be awesome. Also, that morning we have our regular service on the 31st. So Don't skip. (laughs) We will be here on the 31st at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. All right, Pastor.
4: They fired me from announcements. And then she makes fun of me. If you got just a second, we're going to talk about offerings for a second. And if you turn to Genesis chapter 22 and verses one, I'm not preaching yet. This is just something that's been on my heart lately that, um, that I want to share real quick. Genesis 22, verse 1 says, After these things God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here am I, or here I am. And he said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose up early and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place where God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. And Abraham said to the young man, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over here and worship. I and the boy will go over there and worship. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. There's a biblical truth when you study your Bible. It's called the law of first mention. Most of the time, the first time something is mentioned, God explains what it's about. In the, in the context of the text. And so you can know what a word means by that law first mentioned. This is the first time worship is mentioned. And so God asked Abraham in this context to sacrifice his son on the altar as an act of worship. And so according to the first use of worship in the Bible, it's not singing. Worship's not singing. It's about obedience to letting something go and giving it to God. Worship is obedience to letting something go and giving it to God. It's about obedience to the word of God. Singing makes no demand on your life to prove what is of great value to you. When it comes to your offering today, the question is, is it an act of worship? Is it taking what you love and out of obedience to the word of God, giving it to God? Is it taking what you love out of obedience to the word of God and giving it to God? That's what worship is. And I know this. We love money. I'm not saying you worship money, but I do think to a degree we do. And there's way more to this teaching than this. This is just the first part of many parts that I'm going to put together for the next several weeks. So if you want to miss this part, miss the offering. There's nothing wrong with singing. That's giving praise to God for what God has done. That's why we sing, because we're praising God for what he's done for us throughout the week. He's been so good to me this week. Has he been good to you? That's why I sing praise to him. But it's not worship until I'm willing to sacrifice and let go of something that I love and give it to him. Genesis 22, 14 says, so Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. Do you believe that God will provide for you today? Amen. If you let go that thing that you love more than God, do you believe that God will provide for you today? Let's pray. Father. As we give our offerings to you. We do so because we believe that you will take care of us if we worship you. If we're willing to let go of the things that are most important to us, showing that you are most important to us, provide for these people for that. As they worship you, as they give to you, as they trust you, bless them. Provide for them. As you provided a lamb. For the sacrifice. a ram for the sacrifice. So Father help us today. To honor you in our worship. As we sing this last song Father. This is an act of praise. For all that you've done. We love you so. And Jesus we pray. And all God's people said. Alright let's stand. One more song to go.
1: He won't fail.
4: Two days off this week I n- almost never in twenty six years of pastoral ministry have taken two days off in a row unless it's a vacation, and I don't do vacations well so so I took two days off and I looked at the clock this morning and it was five to nine, and I was still at home and not ready that's never happens with me they they thought they thought they had to call nine one one to find out if I was lost or something so (laughs) too much sleep how are you doing you 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 okay for ready for christmas please don't tell anybody that it's not raining in astoria oregon (laughs) they will move here And those of you that don't believe in global warming, I've lived here my whole life. I've never seen a December like this. It's awesome. Almost rode the Harley yesterday. So I wore a Harley shirt just instead. I dressed dressed up for church. I'm glad that you uh, sat through the series on the end times and that you came back. Um. Those are hard truths, but they're true. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's not a question of, this is Pastor Andy's theory on what possibly could happen. What I preached on is going to happen. So I hope you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. Amen? Amen. I want you to think about, so this is one of those messages It's in between everything else. So it's, 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 I get to preach on what I want instead of what the church needs. And so if you don't think the church needs this, then... You're wrong, but that's not the point. Um, it's fun for me. I want you to think about a moment that greatly impacted your life. And don't shout it out, but just think of a moment that changed everything for you. Something happened that caused you to go, I can't do it this way anymore. I can't live this way. Or it's gonna fr- whatever this is, is going to forever change my life. And some of you are going to be hyper-spiritual and say, it was the day that I met Jesus, which is awesome. But there was probably something that happened before you met Jesus that caused you to need to meet Jesus. But what is it? Something happened. I talked to a, a young lady who's um, in our church right now who is going to be 13 in a month or a month and two months. And she had some heart surgery and it helped her mom be encouraged to come find Christ for her life. Amen. So there's something big that happened. And she, the, Mom will probably never forget that moment that she heard the news of what happened. I was given a mug a couple of months ago, and it makes this statement. It says, be careful or you'll end up in my sermon. <laughs> <laughs> so, So think about a moment, not that I mentioned you in a sermon, but just a moment that changed everything for you. Now, I've spoken about this experience numerous times because it still impacts me. There are some things that happen to you that are so huge that you can't ever get away from it. You might not be living it right now, but you, you relive it over and over and over again in, in, your, in your mind and in your life. And this story that I'm going to share with you again, I'm also that older preacher who says, has told my stories numerous times. I've preached over 5,000 times, so I'm used the same illustrations at least 5,000 times. But it was a Wednesday night. And if you used to attend church on a Wednesday night, you know the only ones that show up on Wednesday night are the ones that are truly committed or have no other life. (laughs) Amen? There's a reason why you showed up on Wednesday night. We used to call it Three to Thrive. Like if you're going to grow, you need to be under the preaching of the word of God. I forgot all about that. I just, that was free. (laughs) And right before the service began, a young woman walked through the doors, obviously because it was a Wednesday night. She was seeking help. Otherwise, she would have waited for a Sunday or checked us out. This was before online ministry. So you can't just go online and check us out to find out whether we're really weird or not. You had to actually show up (laughs) to find out whether we were strange people or not. Don't tell me what you found out. So I knew there was something. Some reason why she would be there that night. Because that wasn't normal. And you could tell at one point, And I'm not being judgy. I'm just saying this is the reality. You could tell at one point she was a very beautiful woman. But drugs had taken its toll. She had been through some rough times. You could see it. She was wearing a white dress. From my vantage point, it looked like some kind of fake fur. And it was really clean. I mean, like, oddly clean. It was short. Way too short. To go into a church. But it was clean. And she walked up to the front, I believe, to get as close to the pastor as she could. And she sat on the front row. And I don't know if she was sitting up front because she didn't want people looking at her. So if you sit up front, like if you feel like you're going to be judged by people, sit up front. Because they'll still judge you the same way, but you won't have to look at them when they're doing it. Just helping you out. That's why we changed the building so you can't get away. (laughs) There's no back row. It's all front row because I can see you all. She paid attention to everything that I was preaching. And yet she still looked sad. As I was getting ready to close the service out, I determined in my heart that I was going to talk to her. But before I could get down off the platform, she got up and started walking to the back. But I noticed one of the church members grabbed a hold of her and began talking to her. And I noticed as that person was talking to her, suddenly the woman just kind of bolted and ran for the door. And I thought, what's going on? So I asked the church member. And she told me that she had said to her that she was not welcome until she wore something more appropriate for church. I didn't have her name, I didn't have her number. I checked around, but how do you find somebody like that way? A week later, a relative contacted me who knew that she had attended New Life and told me that she had died. I cannot remember, and I apologize, I can't remember if it was suicide or if it was drug overdose, but it was one of the two. And I didn't know if she knew Christ. But I knew on one Wednesday night, she came searching for something. And it broke me. Still breaks me. It's 20 years ago. To this day, I can see her face. And because she wore a dress that was deemed inappropriate by the rest of Christianity, she never got the opportunity to know Christ and to find out for herself what is modesty and what is not. She didn't get the chance. Occasionally when I'm frustrated with what I see in Christianity, I think of her and it motivates me. It motivated me to do a lot of things after that. Still does to this day. In Luke chapter seven, Jesus invites a Pharisee to Simon, named Simon to his house. Luke seven and verse 36 one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And what they would do is they would have a table and they would all lay down on their left side and eat with their right hand. So they would be around the table and they'd kind of be staggered around this table, feet away from the table, head right next to the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment and standing behind him at his feet, weeping. Do you get this picture? Standing behind him, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him. For she is, in his mind, currently, she is a sinner. Can we pray? Father, I did not go up to the mountaintop and surrender my life to you without believing that you would save people who are sinners, without believing that you can transform a person's life if they call upon you. When I went to worship you, I wanted to offer you everything that I had because you offered everything that you had for me. And I know I am so unworthy of the salvation that you offered me, but you offered it to me anyway. Your son for my sins. And I'm not the only one who needs that. Help me to never be a Pharisee. Open our hearts up to you today, Lord God. I'm going to try to hold it together. Because I believe that this is about heaven and hell. It's about sinners getting saved. The work of the ministry is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. If there is someone in this room today, Lord God, please. There is somebody in this room. Who has come to church today and they have brought the best they had. And they're seeking you today. Let them find you. Through us encourage your hearts today we love you in Jesus we pray in all God's people's head Amen. a highly religious man invites Jesus over for dinner as he sat down an uninvited woman uninvited woman who heard that Jesus would be there came to find him Today you would probably say she had an online presence. She sold herself to support herself. It's happening more often now than ever before. Where women are selling themselves to support themselves. And she just couldn't take it anymore. She couldn't keep living this life. So she sought Jesus. Isn't that the goal when you just can't take it anymore? You seek Jesus and find him. When whatever hits you, whatever happens to you is so horrible that it makes you, it gives you this image of you needing Jesus. And you you want to be able to find him. I love the fact that she didn't come empty handed. She carried with her an expensive bottle of ointment. I think sometimes the religious people come empty-handed. I'm not trying to attack religious people today, but, but I am. She came behind him because she couldn't get to his face. But when she got behind him, she began to weep. She began to weep so much it was like this torrent of tears just come pouring out of her face. I mean, to be able to wash a a, a man's feet to get the dirt off, you have to cry a lot. You have to be really broken to cry that much. I mean, this isn't one of those uh, uh, sad moment tears where you just kind of a little tear kind of drops down here. This is like ugly crying. She's behind Jesus. She just starts ugly crying and And the tears began to drip on his feet. And she began to notice it as the tears hit his feet. It was washing the dirt off. And she was making kind of a mess. So she decided I'm just going to wet his his feet with my tears. And I'll, I'll wash them clean with my tears. That's a lot of tears. That's a lot of brokenness. That's a lot of sadness. There's some really sad people in this world. There's some really broken people in this world who just, if they could just meet Jesus, he would change their life. She began to kiss those feet. A filthy part of his body, and she began to anoint them with ointment. She was a woman that was used to doing dirty work, so it didn't bother her. And the Pharisees saw two things in Jesus in this moment. He saw Jesus who proclaimed himself to be a prophet seemed unaware that she was a prostitute. Jesus didn't get it. He didn't understand, obviously, because if he knew that she was a prostitute, he would never let him touch her. And Jesus who proclaimed to be the son of God let that sinner touch him. To the Pharisee, Jesus was a liar and a fraud. He was not who he proclaimed himself to be. Otherwise, he would never let this prostitute touch him. He might have even thought that Jesus was a hypocrite because Jesus proclaimed to be the son of God. And the son of God would never let a sinner touch him. That's usually what Pharisees do is call people who are around sinners hypocrites. Jesus saw this and he asked the Pharisee a simple question that I think he's asking us today. Luke 7 verse 40 says, and Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it teacher. Now, I just, this is free, this has nothing to do with the sermon, but I thought about how many of you would like it for Jesus to tell you the truth about you? Like you really want him, do you really want to know the truth? I say that because that happens in preaching every week where we preach the truth to you, but some of you don't like what's being preached, so you don't respond to it. That's why we like teaching, because I can take what I want and, and, and not, not touch the things I don't want, but preaching is in your face. Calling you out. Challenging you spiritually. Do you really want the truth, guys? Do you really want the truth? Say it, teacher. Say it, teacher. Say it, teacher. I'm going to be honest. Sometimes I hate it when he tells me the truth about myself. I don't like some things about myself. I would rather have him say it to you than me. Half of my sermon prep is me making sure I'm right with God with whatever I'm bringing to you. Every week I'm dealing with sins that are about you, that are about me. Say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay. When they, the religious person and the sinner, when they could not pay. He canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? I love Pharisees. Simon answered, The one I suppose. I I suppose. I know what you're saying, Jesus. I don't like what you're saying, but I know what you're saying. So I'm just going to throw an I suppose, because you're going to tell me that I'm wrong anyway. So I suppose. For whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. You already know that the ones who love Jesus the most are the ones who have sinned the most and are forgiven of the most. Then why are you judging them for coming to Jesus? You already know. And Jesus says something powerful. Verse 44 And turning to the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? No, no, no. I see her. She's a sinner. No, no, no. Do you see this woman? No, she's a sinner. I see what you're doing, Jesus. I see that you're allowing her to touch you. I see that you're allowing her to weep over your feet. I see that you're allowing her to be close to you. No, no, no. Do you see this woman? I entered your house. Now, this, this gets really personal. I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But from the time I have come in, she has ceased not to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil. But she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, here sins which are many are forgiven. For she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. He's saying this to the Pharisee. He who is forgiven of little, loves little. He who is forgiven of little, loves little. Can I tell you why you don't love Jesus much? You haven't been forgiven by much. The reason why you're not as passionate about Jesus as as others is because you have not been forgiven of much. It didn't take much to save you because you're a pretty good person most of the time. You had to really work at, when when we ask if you are a sinner and you need to be saved, you had to really work to find out something that might be a sin against God. But some of you, man, there's nothing, like, there's a lot of things you could choose. Come on now. Some of you, it'd be really easy to pick out your sins. Like, you wear them on your face. You speak, and sin comes out, and we just kind of know that's... (laughs) Right? Come on now. Stay, stay with me. Get, get in because this is going to be done really quick. Well. And you get crazy when somebody's like over the top crazy about Jesus and you don't realize they're really messed up people that just love Jesus a lot because of what Jesus has done for them. Do you see this woman? Do you see this woman? Do you see this woman? New life, do you see this woman? Jesus says, I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. You know what that is? That's about comfort. In that day, where, everywhere they went, they walked in sandals in the dirt. And so when they came into a house, their feet were dirty. How many of you ladies, like you make people take your shoes off when they come in your house? Come on, raise your hands. Now, let me ask you this. How many of you have a place for them to sit to take their shoes off when they walk into your house? How many of you have a place for them to sit to take their shoes off that isn't covered by a whole bunch of other stuff? And what if, just what if, what if they're wearing those nasty socks that they've been wearing for a week? Do you have a pair of socks for them to put on that are warm and fluffy or fuzzy that feel really good when you put them on? No, no, no. I want them to come into my house, but I'm not going to provide a way for them to feel comfortable. This isn't what you're supposed to be getting out of the sermon. (laughs) See, what they needed was the opportunity to wash their feet, that they might be clean so so as not to soil your carpets, because it's really uncomfortable when you soil somebody's carpet. When somebody invites you into their house and they've got dirt on their shoes, especially pastoring this church, you're all farm people for some reason. You can't, you can't. (laughs) You can't wash your boots off before you come to church for crying out loud. What is wrong with you guys? I find stuff on the stanchions. It's like, who's here? It's like you just walked through a mud pit. I would be uncomfortable if you invited me to your house and my shoes were dirty when I came in. And I would be made comfortable if you had a place to sit and a place to take my shoes off for me to put something on other than the holy socks that I'm wearing right now (laughs) because that makes me uncomfortable. See, he didn't provide the water to do the washing. He made Jesus feel uncomfortable. When you meet people, do you make them feel comfortable? I'm not saying comfortable in their sin. Nobody's comfortable in their sin. They know their feet are dirty. They know they stink. They know they've got holes in their socks. They don't want to take their shoes off because it will expose the truth about what they've been doing in their life. But that doesn't mean it's our job to make them feel uncomfortable. It's our job to make them feel comfortable so they'll have a conversation with us about Jesus Christ so they can be cleansed of their sin. Instead, what we do is we believe what what is their history. Well, they're just a sinner, so they're just going to stay that way. Listen, sinners need salvation. But some of them are so uncomfortable around Christians because they know they're being judged by the dirty things they've been doing in their life and the filthy holes in their socks and the the dirt. But you, you provide no water. You don't do anything to make them feel comfortable. Are you willing to allow them to come and be uncomfortable in your presence? I want people when they come to new life who are already uncomfortable with their sin, they already wonder if the building's gonna fall down around them the moment they enter into the doors. I don't want them to be comfortable in their sin, but they're not going to be if they're here. But I want them to know they're welcome. That Jesus can wash away the filth that's on their feet. Jesus entered your house. You gave him no kiss. That's connection. Five times we're commanded to greet each other with a holy kiss. Romans 16 6. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. First Corinthians 16 20. All the brothers send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Brothers. Y'all get nervous now. Second Corinthians 13, 12, greet one another with a holy kiss. First Thessalonians 5, 26, greet the brothers with a holy kiss. 1 Peter 5:14. greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace be unto you, all to you that are in Christ. A holy kiss is designed to show familial connection, meaning that I want you to be a part of my family. It would be weird to plant a kiss on somebody that you don't want in your family. Please do not go to Fred Myers and start kissing people. <laughs> I will get a phone call from the police, and I'll have to come down and bail you out, and, and, and then don't tell them that the pastor read off some scripture today <laughs> that said, "Greed, so I just kissed everybody. <laughs> See, it means pure intent to show familial connection. I want you to be a part of my life. It's not about the physical act of the kiss, but the heart attitude... Towards others who come here. When you come to this church, what I want you to do is feel like we want to have a connection with you. We want to do life with you. We want a relationship. Well, yeah, but you don't know what I've done. No, but you don't know what I've done. So let's have a conversation. We're gonna find out just how messed up the pastor is. I know. Everybody thinks I'm perfect until they get to know me and then they realize what a mess. I put my faith in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Yes. For Simon, the Pharisee wanted Jesus in the house, but had no love for him. See, that's the problem with religious people. They want Jesus in the house, but they really don't love him. Jesus doesn't feel connected. Connected. The woman couldn't help but pour her love out for Jesus, kissing the dirtiest part of his body. But the Pharisee couldn't get dirty because he really didn't love Jesus. Hang on, I lost my page. Oh, that's right. I've seen this numerous times in the church where we're happy that somebody comes, but we just don't want to get too close to them until we find out whether they're getting things right with God or not. Once you prove to us that you're worthy of our connection, then we'll allow you in the family a little bit. We'll let you in the living room, but nobody gets into the kitchen until you get rid of your sin. It's only when you get things right with God that you can have a relationship with us. When someone enters your house, do they feel loved or do they feel judged? Like, do they walk in and they probably know they're not perfect, but do you make them know that they're not perfect? I don't need any help with that. What I need is to feel like people still want me in the family, even though I may not be everything that they want me to be. But I'm going to try not to please you, but to please my Father in heaven. Jesus entered your house and you did not anoint his head with oil. This is about clarity. After walking in the hot sun and kicking up dust along the way, anointing your head with oil was a way to refresh yourself and take your mind off the burn. You ever burn your, your head, the top of your head? It's hard to think of anything but the burn on the top of your head. You're not thinking, oh, this is, this is great. You're thinking, why does my head burn so bad? My brother's balding, and every time we go somewhere and he, he's not wearing a hat, he burns the top of his head. It's horrible looking, painful. You can't think about anything else other than the pain that's going on in your head. And the oil that she used to, to put on his feet were uh, fragrant herbs and spices so that you wouldn't smell the dust uh, from the road or the dirt that you've been walking through. So the anointing with oil for the, it, on the head at that time was a sign of welcome and respect, saying we're honored by your presence and the oil allows you to think of good things, not the hard things. You know what we need when people come to church? We want them to think about the good things, not the hard things, not the difficult things. We don't want their mind thinking about all the horrible things that were said in in the car when you came to church. We want you to walk in the door, anoint you with oil, get something smelling better, put some good... Praise work, music on. Get you to, to talk to some positive people because you didn't have that in, your, in the right way to work or on the way to church. We want you to think about the good things, not the hard things. You, you got enough time to think about the hard things. When you're here, we want you to think about good things. We want you to have some clarity so you can hear the word of God. So you can hear the people of God say, I love you. I'm glad you're here with us. You may not get that at home, but you should get it here. The 23rd Psalm says the same thing. He says he restores my soul, but it can be viewed as he revives my drooping head. And sometimes when I come and be around Christians, I need my, my drooping head to be revived. I need to be lifted up. Hebrews ten twenty three says um, something really good. Now I got to find it. Now I got to see it. Hang on. This is getting worse before it's getting better. I can't find it. How come I can't find it? Forget it. I'm going to go on without it. It's a really good verse. It's real positive. We're supposed to provoke one another into love and good works. Oh, that's 25. I'm not going to go back. We're supposed to provoke unto love and good works. We should encourage one another when we come together to provoke unto love and good works. We should want each other to know that that we're here for you, that we're together together in this, that you don't have to be down. You can, you can lift your head up. And I see that in people when they come to church, sometimes they're just so depressed and so down and so hurt and so broken that they need to know this is a place, lift your head up. You're okay. This is a safe place for you. We love you. We're here for you. We're here with you. You're not alone. You don't have to be anxious. Even though being in church can make you anxious sometimes because you're wondering, do these people like me? Yes, we like you. Well, nobody says it. Maybe we need to say it more, church. Now I messed my hole. I don't know where I'm at. Get rid of that. Get rid of that. Jesus says, you gave me no comfort. Jesus said, you gave me no connection and you gave me no clarity. I walked into your house. You invited me to your house. You invited me to your home. You invited me to your life. But you made me no comfort, you made me no comfort, gave me no comfort, you gave me no connection, you gave me no clarity. Do you see this woman? She served Jesus with everything. Her tears washed his feet as the floodgates of emotion began pouring out. A woman's hair in that day and age was known as their glory. It was was their honor. It was... What what was beautiful about them? And she washed his feet with the most beautiful thing that God says is about a woman is the covering that's over her. Overwhelmed by her emotions, she was not just concerned about what she was not concerned at all about what others thought. She was not just a woman seeking attention, she was a woman seeking salvation. She showered Jesus with her love. She ceased not to kiss his feet. And you'd be like, what's wrong with that woman? She just loves Jesus. She wants to be close to him. She wants to be connected to him. She wants to have a relationship with him. And so she just kisses his feet. And you're like, that's weird. No, no, no. That's what love does. She made Jesus know clearly that he was important to her. This expensive box of ointment that she brought to church with her was poured out on him to make him not think about the hard things of life, but to think about the good things of life. Derek's afraid I'm going to break my hip. I'm at that age. Thank you, Derek. See, the religious people look at what you've done. Jesus looks at who you are. Jesus looks for who you are. It haunts me to this day. And I'm heading into a new year and I want to I want you to know, do you see this woman? Do you see her? She needs to hear these words from Jesus in Luke chapter seven, and verse 47. Therefore, I tell you her sins, which are many are forgiven. Have you ever been at that place in your life where you think that it's impossible for God to forgive you because you've done so much wrong? You've screwed up so many times. You've messed up so much stuff. You've just gone over the top. You've done sins that if you told people that you'd sin that way, they would never want you in their life. And anytime somebody finds something out about you, about your sin, they separate themselves from you. Jesus won't do that. She needs to hear this. Therefore, I tell you, your sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Come on, is there anything more exciting than that? Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. In that moment, her sins were forgiven. Then those were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this that forgives sin? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I just got to stop real quick because it becomes a doctrinal issue. Because that's what Christians like to do. We just like to argue over doctrine. I'm not saying we shouldn't defend doctrine. I'm saying the danger is just arguing about doctrine to argue about doctrine. Jesus said this woman was forgiven by having faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Well, who is he to forgive? He's Jesus. He's the one that went to the cross, not you. He's the one that gave his life up, not you. He's the one that was beaten and bruised, not you. You get the benefit of what Jesus did, but you're not the one who did what Jesus did. We just argue about the stupidest things in Christianity today. I should stop watching YouTube. Because I see things that are being argued about, and it's dumb. It's dumb. It's dumb. If you're going to argue about the Bible, at least lead someone to Christ first. Then go argue with whoever you want to argue about the Bible. But lead someone to Christ, and just keep leading people to Christ. And you'll find out, you know, the most important doctrine is the doctrine of salvation. That Jesus came to save sinners. Me. Me. She needs to know that we will make her feel comfortable. She's not going to be comfortable in her sins. We just just want her to be comfortable enough to listen to us talk about Jesus. If she's come to meet him, we will introduce her to him because we want her to know him. Don't we? We'll make her feel connected. If she's come to meet Jesus, we'll welcome her in a way that, that he would with a holy kiss. Every sinner that enters this space needs to know that we care about them and want them to be a part of it. We want them here. We want them in our homes. We want them in our lives. We, we don't care what they've done. We love them because he loved them first. And we'll lead her to the one who will make her clean. Because if she's come to meet Jesus, we will share with her Jesus. And how he can wash away her sins and take her mind off of her failures and her foolishness and her problems and so she can find forgiveness and peace and joy and happiness. Not to go back and do what she used to do, but to recognize it. If she understands who Jesus is and meets Jesus, she doesn't need those things anymore. She doesn't need to sell herself to support herself. If I could have just told that woman about Jesus, I got to be careful where I'm walking. See, I don't need a pin on the floor. I just trip <laughs> Titus three forces, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our savior appeared, when you meet him, when you just meet him, when you see the goodness and loving kindness of God, when you meet him, He saves us, not by works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. She was cleansed by her faith in Jesus and the Spirit of God coming inside of her and washing away her sins. Whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. She becomes part of the family of God. For the woman in my story, it only took one Pharisee who judged her history to send her to hell for eternity. It only took one Pharisee. Only one Pharisee because of her past made her feel uncomfortable. She was wearing the best she had. It was the cleanest thing she had, but it was deemed inappropriate by somebody who didn't have a right to deem it inappropriate. Let her find Jesus and let the Holy Spirit talk to her about her modesty. One Pharisee, because of her history, made her feel unwelcome. She came on a Wednesday night. That's like whoever shows up on a, on, a, on, on Sunday night, uh, the, the 31st, when we have our vision night, if some random person walks off the street and comes in the building, they're here for a reason. It's not to get the vision for the church. Yeah. <laughs> it's here because they need Jesus. They're here, not yet. Only one Pharisee, because of her history, made her feel like she was unworthy to be saved by Jesus. Could you imagine somebody making you feel unworthy to be saved by Jesus? Only one Pharisee. And I wonder what would have happened that night if the woman came and she would have felt loved like Jesus loved. If she was met by people who approached her and believing her sins could be forgiven because that's what we believe, that everyone's sins can be forgiven through Jesus Christ if she's met by people who would have approached her as family wanting her to be a part of their lives not making her feel like she wasn't wanted but making her feel like we want you in our life. If she was met by people who would have poured out everything to let her know that she was more important to her than anything more valuable than anything uh, more valuable like a valuable ointment. What's a soul worth to you? Some of you What's a soul worth to you? What's keeping somebody out of hell for eternity worth if we can just share the gospel of Jesus Christ with her? I don't know where this is coming from. See, the Pharisee didn't do it for Jesus. Why would he expect him to do it for her? If you won't treat Jesus that way, why would we expect you to treat others that way? What's interesting to me is the person who is the Pharisee in this story has told me that she feels uncomfortable, unwelcome, and unworthy. Yet she's the one that made somebody feel unwelcome. un un, I just lost my train of thought. Uncomfortable, unwelcome, and unworthy. That's hypocrisy, my friend. It was her words that had a part in hindering this lady from hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it makes me wonder what if the woman in the white dress would have met Jesus that night? She was already offering him her best. What if she was given access to his face? and she could look into his eyes and see the compassion that he that he, that he has <clears throat> i wonder what would have happened if she would have felt wanted by the people who claim to love Jesus the most and said i want you we want you here we want you in our lives Let's go out to eat. Let's go get some lunch. Let's go have some coffee. Come over to my house. Come to church. Be with me. Sit with me in church. Or are you going to judge Pastor Mark when he's sitting next to a sinner? And I'm not talking about Barbara, I'm talking about someone. Sorry, Barbara. I said that and then I realized I had to correct myself really quickly. I wonder if we would have seen her. Not from what she had done, but what Jesus would do. I wonder if she'd still be alive. These are the things that keep me up at night. And Jesus said, those who are forgiven little, love little. But those who are forgiven much, love much. You know what I can see I could see her sitting up front. Raising her arms up in praise and worship of the God who saved her from her sins. I could see her surrendering her life to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because he forgave her of so much. I could see the white dress not for its length but for the representation of forgiveness of sins. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18 says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they're red like crimson, they shall become like wool. I believe God had that woman walk into this church building to come to know Christ as her Savior. But I can't get the image of her out of my mind. I believe she's exactly the person that God's trying to get us to reach with the gospel. Do you see her? It might be a guy. It might be a man. It might be a teenager. It might be a preteen, it might be a kid. And they just keep coming back and coming back and they just wanna know Jesus. They, they need forgiveness. are you so busy looking at their faults that you don't look at her for forgiveness? In 2024, I'm gonna do what I didn't do 20 some years ago. I'll stop a service to save us all. And I don't care if you're uncomfortable Pharisee with me, stopping your information gathering quest. If a lost person needs to know Jesus, that's my focus of 2024. That's my focus. Because I didn't do it that night. Because I was still in the mindset that I got to keep things in order and I got to keep things going instead of realizing that sometimes God brings somebody in that needs to know Jesus. And making Christians happy is not my goal. Making them holy is. And the only way you're holy is through Jesus Christ. If you've been that woman or maybe you're a man and you've been that man. And you came and you met Jesus. And he changed you. And now you sit up front. Not literally sit up front. But you're not afraid to lift your hands up in worship. You're not afraid to tell people that Jesus saved you from your sins. You're not afraid to welcome people who are broken into the family of God Would you do me a favor if you're that person you were that person who walked in and maybe you cried a lot like all you did was cry and you kept thinking these people are going to think we're weird no we think you're broken and we we have a solution his name is Jesus and you felt welcome you felt valued you felt important We're not perfect at it new life but we're going to work on it. But if you're that woman or that man, would you do me a favor and stand? You've come and you know you weren't perfect and you came and you felt like you could find somebody who would forgive you of your sins. His name is Jesus. And you found him and he changed your life. Let's pray. Father, we love you. I've repented of this for years. I know that I'm forgiven of it, but I don't want to lose another one to a Pharisee or a Phariseeical attitude. I want them to come and know Christ as their Savior. And if they're forgiven of much, they're going to love him so much. They're going to love you so much. God, you're going to get so much praise because you loved us so much. So, Father, I just want to thank you for being at the table. I see that woman. I see that woman. And Father, that's what we need to come to as a church that we would see that woman. The woman that you put in that place who was seeking salvation through Jesus Christ. And how you weren't afraid to stand up to the Pharisee and say, Do you see this woman? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Everybody standing up, please. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Maybe you have a woman like that in your family. Maybe you got a woman like that in your life. Maybe you got, and when I say woman, I'm saying woman or man. Don't you want them to know Jesus? Jesus. You're going to need to make her feel comfortable. Let them know that they can wash their feet. Provide a space for them to do that in your life. They need to feel connected. Let them know that you want them to be a part of your family. You need to go to them and say, I want to do life with you. You can't do Christianity alone, it's impossible. Jesus didn't have us do church just so we would have our four and no more. You need the leader to the one who will make her clean. His name is Jesus Christ. Everyone in this room should lead someone to Christ in 2024. We're going to put some things in place to help you know how to do that. Because when you see somebody that you've shared the gospel with come to know Christ as their Savior, their sins are forgiven, and they keep coming back to the front. Giving God praise and glory and honor for all that he's done for them. When you see people who used to be selfish become selfless. And you know that you got to share the love of God with them. It changes you. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Why don't you come up and pray for that woman or that man that you know who's come into your life that you know needs Jesus. say, I can pray for Matt. You can, and you're welcome to do that, but you can also come. It's what worship is. If you're here in this room, and you don't know Christ, and you've come for the first time, if we've not done a good job of welcoming you, I'm sorry. I apologize. Please come talk to me. I know that I failed people. I failed that woman that night. I don't want to do it again. I don't want to fail you. New life, I don't want to fail you. If you're new to us and you just come off the street, I don't want to fail you. Help me do a better job. People are praying, "Why don't you go ahead and sing with us. wants us, how much he cares for us, how much he's given to us. Church, tell your friends. Tell your friends how Jesus cares for them. Come on, tell your family. Jesus loves them
1: For every time
4: i Some of you walked into the room today and you thought, what's wrong with these people? (laughs) They've been forgiven of a lot. They've been forgiven of much. And they're not afraid to let Jesus know how much they love him for that. They didn't feel rejected when Jesus offered them to save them. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior and you came looking for salvation... Let us help you with that. Let us bring you to the table and not have to sit at the feet of Jesus. We want you to see the face of Jesus. We want you to see the compassion and the care and the love that he has for you. We want to make it perfectly clear to you that he can forgive you of your sins if you will just ask him to. But you've got to come. He's been so good to us. He's been so good to me. You have no idea how much of a sinner that I have been. Just ask somebody in Warrenton about Andy Roberts in 1980. They will tell you stories. Jesus changed me. What a friend he has been. So good to me. I keep preaching long. I'm sorry. It's just kind of the season. Father, I love you. And I pray for this congregation today. If there is a woman in white or a man in white and they've come looking for salvation in Jesus Christ, they need the forgiveness of sins. We'll share with them how you can do that. We want them to know that you love them, that you see their sin, but you're still not judging them for it. You came to save them but they need to come and ask. Help us help them. And Father, for the rest of the crazy people in this place, that I see sitting on the front row that came and they, were, they would just weep and be broken and you saved them and changed their life. You put their marriages back together. You put their home back together. You put their hearts back together. And there's so many more in this world that are broken and hurting and lost and, and sad. Bring them to the door, and we'll help you bring them to you. We love you, and Jesus, we pray, and all God's people said. Thank you for coming today, guys. Have a great afternoon. Next Sunday, Christmas Eve.